0: This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
1: BFM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury and welcome to Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. As usual, this week I am joined by my three three two bestest friends in the entire world Uh, but what i did mean is that we have a show in three parts this week and of course as usual i'm joined by ali johan and daniel fernandez from dsf.my say hello gents
2: hello good evening Hello everybody, good evening And I think Richard needs some new friends
1: I do, clearly <laughs> need some new friends uh, Right, as usual then We're going to be starting off with some news And some car launches uh, Before we move on to a bit of a discussion About standardised number plates and uh, Something that we feel very strongly about And then we'll be wrapping up with a car review It is the Subaru Impreza WRX 2.4L Daniel, can you give me a sound effect? Subaru There we go, right there Ali, kick us off.
0: Plenty of news to get into today. Last week, we already had a soft launch of the new Proton X90. They gave a media sneak preview of what the Proton X90 is going to look like. A lot of people are excited because Proton has a new SUV, seven-seater, three rows. But the lack of Apple CarPlay and Android Auto in the X90, and this is not the first time. Previously, the X70 and the X50 also were not kitted with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. So, mm. is it crucial, Daniel, for cars to have these uh, softwares? <laughs> okay, so, you know, if you think about
2: it, actually a lot of vehicles don't come with Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. And I'm talking about vehicles from China. With the systems that come from China, they have a lot of other features which a lot of users will not experience until they get into it. Yes, there have been some complaints that the the, the interface is not so easy to use. People here are using Android phones and Apple phones, so they want to pair up and use the features and everything else. Now, despite all these complaints and despite the numerous reports that are coming out from various motoring outlets that saying, oh, you know, this is an, another big problem and everything else, I don't think it's a big issue and I don't think it's a big problem because simply this, the X50 and X70 is selling beyond belief.
1: <laughs> mm-hmm.
2: There is still a long waiting list for the X50. So, if this is a big issue for car buyers in Malaysia, then how come they're buying it? They seem to be selling and they don't Mm. seem to be suffering. So, I Mm. think… People will just, you know, accept it and work around it.
1: But there's a lot more to it, I I think, as well, is because Apple's aim for, like, the next gen of CarPlay is to provide an interface that has a lot more functions beyond entertainment like what we see now. They're looking at stuff like including the driving cluster, things like fuel gauge, speedo, climate control, all of that kind of stuff a little bit later on. And I think this is companies now putting their, their stamp on things, putting their foot down and saying, look, we know you've got these big ideas, but we're sticking with our own.
2: I'm actually waiting to see, and and, and you heard it here first, the gents, you heard it here first. I'm waiting to see an electric car that comes without an instrument cluster or even a tablet. And what happens is they just have connectors on top of the dashboard. You take what you're using right now, Mm. click it into place, and you use it as your instrument cluster. I don't think we're that far away, you know. Yes, Mm. because why? That that means you actually carry your instrument display with you. And, and you heard it here first, I'm a genius, eh? if somebody jailbreaks or steals your car and they use their device to, to click on, the car won't start.
1: Mm. You remember those days when you used to have to click off the front of your stereo and carry it around with you?
2: I remember that, Richard. Yes. Yeah. Just to face your plate.
1: That's right. Yeah, yeah we're to going make sure right nobody there, steals your radio. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> where we're going back to. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. I still have one of those units in one of my cars. Yeah. Do you? Yeah, because it's wow. a tape deck player, you uh, see?
1: I see. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go, Ali. That's something you can go on Google.
0: Yeah, yeah. I actually I know oh, that. Oh, just
2: come and visit me, and I'll show you how it works. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but guys, I mean, cars are being released all across the globe every week, and so many people expect Apple CarPlay and uh, Android Auto compatibility, especially with smartphones being um, the main driver of many people's lives, right? But mm. one company um, has announced that it plans to phase out these softwares completely and they are General Motors. General Motors Mm. want to do without Apple CarPlay and Android Auto on their future EVs beginning with uh, their 2024 release, the Chevrolet Blazer. And this is an American company. GM has explained why they are designing uh, a new onboard navigation and infotainment systems as we were mentioning earlier. Uh, This is for their future EVs and they're going to partner with Google for this. So, once they have this software, it will not be dependent on you having a cell phone to have infotainment on your car.
2: Interesting. This could also mean the start of other car manufacturers doing this. We, You know, it, it, it could just mean that everybody is planning
0: to do this, but they're going to wait
2: and see who does it first.
0: Mm. Yeah. So, we reported a couple of weeks ago that Ferrari Malaysia is looking for a new company to be their authorized dealer in Malaysia. And... This week, we finally found out who. Daniel, tell us who it is. Well, this was an interesting uh, (laughs) week because everybody was
2: guessing. uh, um, A lot of, uh, you know, uh, business news websites were trying to get some information on what's going on. But, you know, as always, you heard it here first. DSF.my got the story first. We published it. And then we were a little bit shaky because was it really solid information? Yes, it was. Hmm. Confirmed. (laughs) The person who's got in running it is Ong Beng Singh, a Malaysian based in Singapore.
1: Interesting. Tell us more.
2: Okay, so Mr. Ong Beng Singh, who, who is, we all know is from, from Ipoh and, you know, he's made his money in Singapore. Also in Malaysia is, you know, doing hotels and, and a lot of other businesses. Now, he, back in uh, 2009, took over the Ferrari business in Singapore. And mm-hmm. before that, it was run by a family-owned business called Hong Sing Motors. Now, since Hong Beng Seng took it over in 2009, the business has flourished, the business has grown. Also because this man is also involved in Formula One in Singapore.
1: Right.
0: Okay. Right?
2: So he's got yep. the connections and everything else. And he knows the big boys in Ferrari right up to Italy. Because when you're dealing with Formula One, you meet these guys, right? Mm-hmm. So of course, he worked a deal to try and get the business in Malaysia. Now. As far back as March last year, negotiations were already in motion. Meanwhile, Nasa Italia, we've been doing the business for the longest time. They were taking orders. They were filling up their order books. They were talking to Italy. They were doing track days, customer days, media engagement, launches, everything else. But they didn't know that Mr. Ong Beng Seng had already discussed everything with the Italians and it was sort of a handshake agreement. Now, This deal also says that Ong Beng Seng will need a Malaysian AP partner. Mm -hmm. And there's also the fact that he has already discussed putting up first a workshop in Glenmarie. And the, the workshop location has already been predetermined. Groundwork has already started and you'll be actually seeing the workshop in the next few weeks. Again, you heard it here first. I will bring that information to you. And as the months progress, you will see a brand new flagship Ferrari showroom in another part of Glenmarie.
1: Oh, my word! Okay.
2: So, the workshop and the the dealership will be in Glenmarie, but they're not going to be side by side. Okay. He's expanding the workshop. He's expanding the facility. the, The showroom is also going to be brand new and it's going to be much bigger than what Nazar Italia was doing. Now, meanwhile... All this is going on, what has happened to the Ferrari orders in in suspense? Because a lot of people ordered cars in the last one, two years, the cars have not been delivered yet. So these bookings have now been transferred to the new Ferrari uh, franchise. Now, the information, the details and everything will be disclosed officially on the 8th of this month. Mm. And then you'll get more information. So um, it'll be business as usual. If you've already ordered a car, your your, your booking will just be transferred to the new people. And there's a good chance that the current Nasa Italia Ferrari team will be absorbed by the new team. So that means, you know, the business will just carry on quietly, happily, no issue. It just means that someone else is taking charge of the financial matters.
1: My Ferrari is going to be okay then. My order is okay.
2: Yes, your Ferrari SUV which you ordered. The booking is in. The purple colour you ordered with the yellow and beige interior is confirmed. Perfect. Don't worry, it'll be delivered to you, Richard. (laughs)
1: They're giving me the roof rack as well, yeah?
2: (laughs) The roof rack and also the tow
0: hook at the back for your jet ski.
1: (laughs) Anyway, okay. Great stuff, great stuff. Yeah,
0: so we got a new dealer for Ferraris in Malaysia. Meanwhile, business as usual for Italia, right? They're still selling Maseratis.
2: They will still be selling Maseratis and the current Ferrari showroom will be converted. Now, this is not 100% confirmed yet, but the current Ferrari showroom will be converted into a high-end supercar showroom of various brands. Mm, Because it's already a five-star showroom. So, why not just make it a supercar showroom you're still
0: going to make money, right? So I guess we'll know if we drive past it on the Federal Highway in a couple of months' time. Easily in a month's time, you'll see
2: the difference already.
0: All right. Uh, recently, Minister of International Trade and Industry, YB Tengku Zafrul Aziz, visited China following the Malaysia and China Business Forum. And what was high on his to-do list was to accelerate Malaysia's entry into an NEV market. So mm. he visited Ningbo, a, a region with a lot of automotive industry there. Tanku Zafro previewed a range of NEV models under Geely Group during his visit to Zika Intelligent Factory. So he wants to map out a more comprehensive plan, I suppose, for Malaysia and uh, especially for Proton's NEV journey. Currently, you know, the bulk of Proton's models are still made out of the ICE vehicles but They've already established a strategy for NEVs. Uh, the first step is the launch of the Proton X90. We mentioned last week that it will be powered by a mile hybrid engine, a 1.5 TGDI engine. Um, there's also talk about Smart Number One by ProNet, which is Proton's electric subsidiary, coming into the country in the fourth quarter of this year. I guess the plan's on the way now, Daniel.
2: Yes, about Smart uh, Hashtag One, we already know that this vehicle was coming because they, they previewed it to us. They already have a team from China and also a Malaysian team combined working in a part of Proton, a certain part of Proton, on the launch of this vehicle. This vehicle, of course, will not be rebadged a Proton. We mentioned it before. It will remain a smart product. It will be sold in separate showrooms. It will be maintained by separate dealers. It's going to be a big hit with the with the electric car market. But remember, this is smart hashtag one. It is not a 100% Geely product. So it's got partnership with Mercedes-Benz. So prices are not going to be, you know, 100, 120, 130,000 times two. It's going to be 200 plus thousand yeah. ringgit. It's going to hit yeah. the premium market, you know? Yeah. Mm. Now that's number one. Number two, Geely as an automotive group, they have a lot of other brands. And one of the brands is Zeker. Now Zeker has been doing quite a bit of, product launches and everything else for the left-hand drive market, which is not our market. Their vehicles are looking very, very interesting. In fact, they look very much like Polestar, which is already a part of the Geely Group. Mm-hmm. Now, Zika has been uh, rumoured to come to Malaysia also, but you know, it, it was all very sketchy. Now, with this visit, the Malaysian contingent, including Tenkut standing there with the Zika R01 and taking a picture, it looks very clear that it's coming to Malaysia, it's probably going to be done at the Tanjung Malim plant which is a proton plant they might do an extension they might expand it we we don't know what's the plan right now but that means right hand drive versions will be probably produced in malaysia for the region so if this happens you heard it here first if this happens this could be bigger than what is happening with tesla in indonesia geely has got the financial mind and the technology to, to to play the game, you know? Mm, mm. And if Tesla has gone to Indonesia in terms of you know, factory production and everything else for the region, right-hand drive, these guys could be looking at Malaysia as a hub, which is great news for investment, job opportunities, technology advancement, higher salaries, higher salaries for even people at BFM. The mm. movement of electric cars will be even bigger made in Malaysia. You get what I mean? Yeah. Mm. So I think this is great news. On top of that, this could also mean Maybe the arrival of Lincoln Co.
1: Interesting.
2: Because that's also a product of Geely and it's also electric plug-in hybrid and and ICE. Now, there's also another thing that has been at the back of my mind and I'm just trying to, you know, share with everybody here. You know Polestar. Polestar is a product of Volvo, which is also a product of Geely, right? Polestar make very good electric cars. They've been selling around the world. They do have left-hand drive and right-hand drive. Now, Polestar has not come to Malaysia. They've gone to Singapore. They're selling quite well. Not great, but selling quite well. They have some interesting-looking vehicles. They got a crossover and they got a sedan. Now, a Polestar sedan was presented to our former Prime Minister, Tun Dr. Mahade, a few months ago. And it was done by people from DRB Highcom. So, if, if Polestar is giving a car to the former Prime Minister, it must be a teaser that it's coming to Malaysia, but maybe it was a little bit premature. But now, with this, this information on Zika coming here, I think the next big news will be Polestar.
1: All wow. oh, very interesting, but yeah. also quite speculative.
0: Yes, yes. And, you know, it seems like the future of the Malaysian automotive uh, direction is uh, to look to China. This recent Prime Minister's trip to China, together with Minister Miti Tengku Zafrol, uh, Gave us a lot to think about in terms of, um, you know, more Chinese companies. They also spoke to Cherry when they were there to discuss investment plans Mm. in this country. So we may see some more showrooms. You know, we already know that Cherry is coming to Malaysia. Cherry has already
2: made an indication that they'll be launching four new SUVs here. Sadly, none of those SUVs are electric according to them. There's only one plug-in hybrid, three petrol. But this was a teaser done last year. But now with Cherry Auto discussing with Matrade and MITI and everything else and making known about this whole meeting, and the fact that they said they're going to do a huge investment in Malaysia, when they say huge, it must be a factory. Okay? Now, this could also mean local assembly of these vehicles or it could mean the development of electric Cherry vehicles for the region.
1: Nice stuff. Well, that's us come to the end of part one. But, of course, do join us after the break. We've got a bit of a discussion. It could get quite heaty. Um, is it time for standardized number plates? Let us know what you think. 18 We are, of course, on Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9, The Business Station. My name is Rich Bradbury. This, of course, is Cruise Control. I'm on the phone with Ali Johan, as per usual, and our friend Daniel Fernandez from dsf.my. If you're only just joining us, we've had a discussion about the Apple CarPlay, Android Auto in Protons, Ferrari's new Malaysian authorized dealer, you heard it here first, uh, the Prime Minister's recent visit to China, and what went down over there. Now, of course, standardized number plates. Now, right, Daniel? Now,
2: if you think about it, we've we've actually had standardized number plates for some time already. It's it's uh, issued by JPJ. It's very straightforward. I actually included a picture in my article saying you know the type, the font, the size. But majority of car owners don't follow it. Mm. And the surprising thing is, a lot of cars that you buy brand new, even they don't follow it. Mm. So there is something that should be done. Now, the reason why I brought this up was. It, this is quite interesting. Recently, I went to an area where they have this automated number plate recognition. Driving a test drive car. Test drive car means it doesn't belong to me. The number plate doesn't belong to me. It's, it's already predetermined number plate. Now, like I said, you know, some showrooms are also issuing cars with number plates... ...which are not to say fancy, but the size not right. Now, when I went into this 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 area... It captures your image it captures font and everything else and then you go you park your car you have your meal or you do whatever you need to do and as you're coming out it'll recognize your vehicle by the number plate and then charge you accordingly for your parking okay Mm
0: -hmm.
2: now um i've actually seen this in in three locations already nothing new uh but the last two times i was driving my own vehicle which i I used standardized number plate because i just think i don't want to have any issue with anybody But this time, because I was driving a test drive car, the number plate wasn't recognized and I couldn't pay my parking charge. So then, of course, I had to press the buzzer and then a couple of cars behind me buzzing me also like, you know, why are you being held up? So the attendant came over, he looked at it. I said, damn, my number plate is not being read. And he said, oh, your numbers are too close. It didn't read properly because the number three and the number one is too close. It looks like almost a B. I said, listen, friend, (laughs) I don't own this car, but I want to pay the parking charge to get out because people are at the back, you know? Now, of course, you know, a supervisor had to come and then we had to take out manually and and pay and everything else. That's all fine. But you see, this this is a problem that's going to become even more exaggerated because there are a lot of people out there who, first of all, don't use a standard typeface. Number two, the size is wrong. Number three, they put it too close to make like little words, you know? Like one and three, you put too close, you make a B or you try and make it into eight, you know, something like that. So this is going to start having problems around the country in car parks and all that. Meanwhile, Singapore and Thailand, our neighbours have had standardised number plates for the longest time. You know?
1: Mm.
2: And there's, there's already been talk about having, even at the causeway and the, uh, and, the, and the immigration checkpoints, the vehicles to be scanned for their number plates. So, if we don't have standardised number plates, if we don't have standardised fonts and everything else on everybody, it's going to be very difficult to implement this. It also will come down to having it done for toll plazas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Because, you know, like in some countries, the, the toll plazas, I mean, if they have automated toll plazas, they just carry your number plate and then, you know, it's already registered with your debit card, right? Yeah. But you can't do this because you have all these fancy number plates.
1: Mm-mm-mm.
2: So I think, like in some countries, um, you should get the number plates that are from designated contractors who supply to the road transport department. And the road transport department is the one that issues it to us. Not private shops where
0: you can go and just make your own number plates. No, I completely agree. What's surprising to me is I never knew power companies have their own sort of typeface for plates. I don't think they have their own
2: typeface. I think the people at the showroom, when they deliver the cars, like like certain brands, you can see they use slightly smaller font. Some use slightly uh, different kind of Yeah, typeface, like
0: glossy you know? types.
2: Yes. And then there's a couple of brands that use a kind of number plate which has a little plastic on top. And that one, after a while in the sun, starts to fade. So actually the number starts fading.
0: Yeah, I've the seen number that plate too. starts
2: fading. Mm. It, it's it's clear if you're looking directly ahead, but if you go slightly to the left or right, it starts fading. I've seen that in certain test cars also, but this is all basically done at the showroom level,
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: not at headquarters level. So this these are issues that I think you know the JPJ. I mean Anthony Locke is doing a great job already doing with the you know with the Rotex, with the tinted glass thing. Next thing, my friend, look into number plates.
1: I don't think it will be too far because like you say, it would make things a lot easier if it comes to automation of toll booths and things. Exactly. And you see,
2: even in, in some countries, they have a microchip in the number plate. Right. That microchip is basically like your RFID tag for you to make payment at car parks and, and yeah. you know toll plazas and everything else. Maybe that is a bit too advanced and too expensive to do in Malaysia right now. But the right direction is first get your number plate standardized. So mm. even private car parks, you will not have issues like what? I had with one car. And on top of that, you could also, you know, incorporate your RFID chip inside that number plate for your your current toll plaza.
0: Mm. Yeah, but then what's gonna happen to old cars? You know how some old motorbikes they have the stickers?
2: Exactly. So, you know, I think all this the road transport department has to work this out. Because by right, also I think stickers are not a good idea. Also some supercars they use stickers.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: you know because they have the smooth smoothen out front bumpers and all that uh, yeah and
0: they don't have space for the like, plate
2: yes but they do have number plate holders it's just whether the the owner prefers to have that smoothen out thing and you know and not have a number plate because why they say oh the number plate aerodynamic brother you know i lose my aerodynamic <laughs> you know 0.002 seconds slower you know end of the day the law is the law you know if if Singapore can do it Thailand can do it i mean these are our neighbors if they can do it why not you know
1: and bro, if you, if you're driving around PJ or Bangsa, what aerodynamics do you need? Huh? You're going over a speed bump.
2: <laughs> and the other yeah. thing is also, you know, when you have standardized number plates, there's there's also that you know that that issue about you know people um, cloning cars. Mm, mm. So you know, if someone wants to go and clone your number plate, it's going to be difficult. He has to actually find out how is he going to get the microchip in, or he's got to pay off someone inside the department to get that that thing. Because why? There's a microchip inside.
1: Yep. you right. know? so
2: this is all you know these are all just steps to start thinking about reducing cloning reducing car theft reducing a lot of things because now i can walk into any number plate shop i don't even have to show them my car I say listen i want this number plate i just write it out for them they're not going to ask me is it for your car your neighbor's car your uncle's car you know they right. just make the number plate and give it to you which i think is this one of the reasons why we have so many of these issues in malaysia all
1: right let's take a short break here shall we yeah Uh, Folks, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes uh, on our third and final part of today's show. We do have a car review. It's a Subaru Impreza WRX 2.4, right, Daniel? Yes, it is Subaru. There we go. We'll be right back. This is Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM 89.9. FM 89.9 The Business Station Welcome back To the third And final portion Of Cruise Control For this week Uh, And we do have A car review It's the Subaru Impreza WRX 2.4L Let's start with Something quite important Daniel um, Do you want to start off With the uh, I don't know Maybe the price
2: Subaru Impreza (laughs) Okay So this is A brand new Subaru Impreza Now we've driven The old one about six seven years ago we loved it we loved it we just you know it it was just perfect you know it was a it was the right evolution of the impresa you know the impresa has been something so iconic over the years and the last one was just whew, they did it right it was slightly larger yes it was uh slightly more powerful uh slightly more features better safety features you know and everything else but it just ticked all the right boxes at the right time. And it was a bit more luxurious. So it it actually, you know, nudged on the door of certain European performance sedans and, you know, gave them a little bit of a scare. Not a big scare, but a little bit of a scare. Now comes an all-new Impreza WRX. Not an STI, WRX. This time around, it's a 2.5-litre boxer engine. Okay. Now, here is the little bit, a little bit of the issue, You know, a little bit of an issue, This new car, this new car, is two hundred and ninety thousand ringgit. Aha. Uh-huh. Now you're gonna say aha uh-huh, because you don't know the old price. The old price was just above two hundred thousand.
1: I see. I'm gonna go. So,
2: what? So there's a difference of about eighty thousand ringgit over the last seven years, and that is. Why? That's what everyone is asking. Why? Now, the previous one was a really good vehicle. Like I said, it sold quite well. Over the years, a lot of grey importers brought in units. You see them on the road. Some are WRXs, some are STIs. You even have the R version. And they're all, you know, they're all with happy owners. Because why? even the grey import ones were priced reasonably acceptable. But now comes this brand new one, also a a sedan. But are you 290000 A bit hard to swallow. If it's an STI, easy. But a plain old WRX, a bit hard Mm. to swallow. But anyway, car prices are going up, cost of materials going up, cost of technology going up. We can't run away from that. So this WRX arrived in Malaysia with three possibilities. Now you have the sedan which we test drove in either manual, which is the one that everyone should go for, or a CVT gearbox which we test drove. There is also a wagon version. That means a sports wagon version. Now, this is very rare because there used to be a car called a Subaru Levorg, and that was only a station wagon, but it wasn't a WRX or a STI when it first came out. It slowly evolved to something more powerful and it sold in very small numbers in Malaysia. But I think mm-hmm. Subaru globally was doing so well with the Levorg, but maybe they thought the name wasn't so inspiring because it's not an iconic name, it's a new name. They decided to give the Impreza WRX, a sports wagon version. So, okay. we have these this three options to look at if you go into any Subaru showroom in Malaysia. Now, let's get down to the car. First impression, in terms of design, I looked at the car uh, a bit hard for me to swallow the black cladding on the sides.
1: All right, yeah. You
2: know, along the wheel archers. Yeah, yeah. uh, And on the front lower bumper and the rear lower bumper. Yes, a lot of cars come with black cladding or, you know, non-color-coded cladding. But the one on the archers, to me, they're trying to make this look like a crossover. And this is a sport sedan. You can have it on the side of the vehicle and and, and below below the bumpers, front and back. But on the archers… I'm sorry, that, you know, very hard for me to swallow the design language. But again, uh, if you think about it, Subaru has always been very quirky with design. You either like it or you don't like it, you know. And Mm. they've always been sort of like out there, you know. I'm I'm doing it uh, because I'm just Subaru. I'm Fuji Heavy Industries and I like it this way, you know. (laughs) Mm. So, we got the car, we were not so taken by the design. The color, of course, the orange color, not to our taste, but great for peaches. Great for video. Great to get (laughs) attention. So, when we started driving it around, it got a lot of attention. Now, here is the funny little bit of attention we got. When we parked it in a very crowded area, someone came up to us and asked us, Hey, the rear legs are like Perdua Beza. (laughs) 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 Now, you can see the rear picture that I've posted on DSF. Yes, a little bit of the design is like the Perdua Beza. But please, this is a Subaru. Don't compare. You know? Mm. As we drove it more and more, a lot of people were comparing. And I think it's because the Beza is such a popular car. You see it everywhere. And then suddenly, you see another vehicle with similar looking design. You say, ah, it's like the Beza. It should be the other way around. But anyway, so that was a little bit of the design quirkiness of this vehicle. Get into this car and then you start respecting it. You know, the interior is nicely finished. Quality touch and feel. Subaru, again, has moved the game up in terms of material quality. In terms of touch and feel points, buttons, uh, Alcantara seats. Uh, so when you sit, it's very comfortable. It's not hot. You know, like real leather is hot, right? Mm-hmm. And then you've got this nice big infotainment screen. The infotainment screen now is bright. Nice use of colors. Very easy on the eye. Easy to also navigate and use, which I think is a great feature. Because a lot of infotainment streams are too complicated. This one is straightforward. Within less than an hour, I could, I could easily navigate it and use it. I didn't have to keep going back to look for certain functions. So that's a great feature. Then, of course, you've got the sound system. Very nice sound system. Good quality delivery all around. Start the car. It is quiet. This Subaru is quiet. This boxer engine, because of the sound insulation, is not very noisy. Yes, it's 2.4. You want to hear that boxer engine. But of course, I think because of emission controls, sound controls, uh, you know, people in certain countries say they don't want to hear exhaust noise, you know. So they've made it nice and quiet. Insulation is good. But when you push it, when you push it hard, you do hear the boxer grunt. So that's a little bit of a good news. Now, before I get into the full test drive, I want to mention this. There are some rivals in this segment. And the rivals are not high-end sports sedans. Rivals are basically vehicles in the same price segment. And they all come from Europe. Because the Japanese competitors don't have something in this in this uh, segment. Okay. So you have the BMW 3 Series just launched 320i Sport, which is priced at 283000 just a few thousand less. But it's only a two-wheel drive with an inline four-cylinder engine, 184 horsepower, 300 Newton meters of torque, It does 0 to 100 in 7.4 seconds. Top speed is 235. Then you have the Mercedes C-Class, the C300, which is also a 2-liter, 4-cylinder turbocharged engine. A little bit more power, 254 brake horsepower, 400 newton-meters of torque. Now, this Mercedes will go from 0 to 100 in 6 seconds, and the top speed is capped at 250 kilometers. Now, this is a bit more closer in terms of performance, to the WRX, this new WRX. But the price is about 30-odd thousand ringgit more at 330,000. But of course, again, it's a Mercedes-Benz. So you got these two interesting uh, rivals. But both these rivals are two-wheel drive rivals. So the real, you know, face-to-face rival will have to be the Audi A5 Sportback Quattro. Right. Because it's a four-wheel drive. Yeah. And the A5 is about the same footprint in terms of size. Now, the A5 has a Litre engine, 250 horses, 370 newton meters of torque. The zero to 100 acceleration is also six seconds, but it's 377,000 ringgit. Oh. Now, now, you must remember the BMW 3 Series and the Mercedes C300 are both local assembled, that is why their prices are a bit more reasonable. You know, local assembly prices come down. The Audi is fully imported, 377. The mm. Subaru is fully imported, 290,000. So, that 70 over 1,000, almost 80,000 difference puts the WRX in a much more brighter picture than the Audi A5 Sportback Quattro. But then, if you ask someone to compare Apple to Apple, a typical Malaysian, they'll say, oh, you can't put an Audi next to a Subaru. I can, because why? I'm talking about features, price, quality, drivability, four-wheel drive, Right? So now when you get into the car, you drive the Subaru, it is a joy. It is really a joy. It's well put together. The new Subaru Global Platform is so nice and pliant. And, and even on our bad Petaling Jaya roads, even on the ruts, the little speed bumps and all, it holds its own very, very well. Power delivery is linear. It's not bang out fast because it's using a CVT gearbox, but it's enough power to get you excited. 6.3 seconds is a 0 to 100 acceleration. You can feel it. This car has got three driving modes. You got intelligent. You got sports. You got sports plus. If you put it in sports plus, it really goes. It really, really, really gives you that kind of adrenaline rush that you want from a Subaru WRX. Mm. It's got 271 brake horsepower, 350 newton meters of torque. There is no shortage of power. Yes, 6.3 seconds might not sound like a lot when you compare it to the current range of electric cars out there doing four, five, six seconds. But this is a normal aspirator. Sorry, this is a turbocharged, petrol-powered vehicle. It is not an electric car.
1: Wow. Interesting stuff then.
2: Mm. Yeah. So, like I said, if you're really looking for something <clears throat> iconic, when you tell someone you're driving a Subaru Impreza, you're a different class of driver, you know? Mm. <laughs> you're, 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 you're part of a band of guys who just love driving, love their cars, love that all-wheel drive handling. You know,
1: you probably played Colin McRae Rally when you were a kid. Yeah.
2: Exactly. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> the only worry is whether you can whether you can swallow the design language. That's number one, which mm. I find it difficult to swallow. And that CVT gearbox, I will pay ten thousand less, and I will buy the manual version because I drive a manual car, so I don't mind driving another manual car if I can afford a car like
1: this. Right, 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 right. Well, there we go. Okay, thank you for that, Daniel. You're welcome. Ali, anything to add before we wrap up?
0: I would just love to see it in a different colour, to see it differently. Right now, it looks <laughs> yeah like a sports car. And to compare it to, to, to its rivals, I feel like, uh, you know, the 3 Series, BMW and C-Class are more elegant compared to mm. the Subaru. Yes, you're right, you're right. And the Audi is a bit more classy.
1: But I think that's what Subaru have always done though, isn't it? They don't intend to be classy or elegant. Yeah, they're, yeah. they're there to make a noise.
2: Yeah. I think that's the right word. They're there to make a noise.
1: And on that note, ladies and gents, we're going to wrap up for today's show. If you did miss any part of this show, remember, you can download the podcast wherever you get it from. We recommend the BFM app. It's available at the Apple App Store or Google Play. This has been Cruise Control, the car show here on BFM. I'm Rich Bradbury, and on behalf of Daniel Fernandez from DSF.my and Ali Johan, we're going to sign off for this evening. We'll be back same time, same place, next week here on BFM 89.9.